Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's Around the House. When it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we've got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B. This is our midweek special. That email that fits in there will get you updated between what happened last weekend and next weekend. It's not going to fit in this show. Hello, Caroline. Hi, how are you? Good. You look like you got a contact high going right there. What's going on over there? <laughs> I just came out of the bathroom and they were using bleach to clean in my <sighs> office. America's so healthy home expert having to walk through a it. wall of bleach. <laughs> I don't use bleach to clean my toilet, but I know some people do. But then you have a solution for that or, or, or an answer to why you shouldn't. Never use bleach on a porcelain surface. So like that bathtub, the toilet, the sink, never use, use pure bleach. Like, you know, you grab that bottle of Clorox, go, I'm going to splash this in the toilet bowl and kill everything in there. Yeah. The problem is, is you are etching the toilet every time you do that. So if you think of porcelain as a fairly smooth surface, but there's lots of little kind of pits and pores in it. When you put bleach on it, it makes those larger and deeper. So when you nice. have a very smooth surface and dirt hits it, right, it tends to slide off of there. But if it's mm. like really porous, then it gives places for dirt, mold, mildew, grime, and hard water deposits, places to grab a hold of. So and if you poop. use bleach, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that bleach causes it to be dirtier next time. And so Gross. never use bleach in your toilet because it's just making it create new little spots for dirt to grab a hold of. Um, and even some of the newer toilets, if you read the instructions on them, you can void warranties by using bleach in that because they have put a specific surface on top of that porcelain to keep it clean and make it so it's an easier cleaning toilet. And in my case, from an environmental standpoint, I don't recommend bleach because of the carcinogenic properties that it has and the potential for, you know, breathing issues and taxing our lungs. So I usually recommend using a hydrogen peroxide product and you can use like an oxy boost or a, um, an oxy cleaner because those work really yep. great. Or you can use straight hydrogen peroxide if you prefer. But I just use yeah, the blue toilet bowl cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> Tidy bowl, any, tidy bowl, tidy bowl. Yeah, man. tidy bowl or whatever that is. But you know something that has enough bleach in it to kill things, but not enough to ruin the toilet bowl. Right. So when someone's just dumping cups of bleach in, they have no idea how much they need to put in, and they usually put too much. 
and then that's how you end up. Well, you're all, you're you're always getting it on the side. You know, it's it's splashing up in there unless you're pre-diluting it to to a specific ratio that I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know, I don't know where that line is between. Oh, that's enough to. Oh my gosh, that's now etching into the bowl. Whatever that line is, I, I'm going to say most people don't either. So just use a regular cleaner or one of your healthy cleaners. Yes, sounds good. What else do we so have it's going a, on this week? Man, it's been a crazy week. Um, earlier this, geez, earlier this week already, we had the house in Bellevue, Washington, where it had the water main break above it, right? And mm. you know, it's on a hill, so you can imagine on the street above it a water main break. Well, that caused a landslide. The landslide took this, geez, what looked like a 4,000-square-foot house and Beautiful pushed house. it off its foundation, mostly collapsed it, and pushed it down closer to the street. And so one house is totally destroyed, had some collector cars in the garage, which is sad, of course, but it doesn't look like anybody died. But there's 17 homes in the area now that are evacuated because of that water main break. That's so scary. Because how many times, I mean, that happens all the time. You know, people just take it for granted that you're just going to have a bunch of water outside and not that it could ever do that kind of substantial damage to cause a, a mudslide, basically. Yeah, and sometimes water main breaks under a street or a roadway kind of hide themselves for a little bit because it can be underneath there, and that's how you get those sinkholes. I think everybody's seen on the news one time where the car's driving along and it falls through the abyss in the middle of the road, <laughs> and you see the taillights as it goes nose in, and that's because it's it's moved all that in there. But when that's on a hill... That, that can literally take the whole hillside with it. Scary stuff. Yeah. And then the other one that I thought was interesting this week, too, and this is an interesting discussion because a, in Montclair, New Jersey, not far from you, right? Not at all. Right up the road. Right up the road, yeah. So family seeks to tear down 1905 historic house, and they're reviewing the site because of asbestos contamination. So basically this is what's crazy about this. And you got to almost think about it like your car, you know, you get your car into a car accident and there's that point where they go, that's a total, we ain't going to fix it. It's cheaper to buy you a new one. This house is in that, in that range of it's cheaper to tear it down than it is to try to get those asbestos fibers out of it. Interesting. So a little bit of the news story here that's coming out of Montclair local news over there. The applicant, Stephen and Leah uh, Moranis, who bought the property in 2017 for $1.4 million, plan to renovate, are now asking to demolish it. So what happened is uh, they started doing some plumbing work on the house, Installation of new HVAC, ductwork, lighting improvements, basement sheetrock, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Their contractor created a huge water leak. In attempting yeah. to repair the leak, the contractor removed portions of the asbestos containing plaster ceiling and walls, causing asbestos to be released into the dwelling. Eesh. Then they had to do a remediation effort to get all the asbestos out of the house. 
Since October 2018, the couple and their children have been living in temporary housing at $8,000 a month in addition to the applicants paying $8,000 each month on their mortgage and carrying costs on the property. The insurance company on the project has paid almost $700,000 for asbestos remediation costs with the project, and they're nowhere near completion. Mm, That's a bad, bad nightmare. And can you imagine being the contractor and you're the one that caused the, caused the plumbing leak and now look at the ramifications. Uh, I mean, that's just a bad day. I mean, that's why you have to use insured contractors. This is a perfect reason example why you do not want to put somebody on your property who's not insured. Yeah. It says furthermore, according to ABS environmental report dated in May, the asbestos contamination is so severe and extensive that the house cannot be fully and safety safely abated without demolishing the structure. Hmm. I mean, that's incredible. They must so have found a lot of asbestos. I mean, normally we think about it in flooring and you know plumbing wrap, and so they must have had significant walls that had it. That maybe the I'm outside, sure it was in all the, sh- the plaster and drywall in there, right? So if you got it, yeah, I'm- you know, it's just like popcorn ceilings and you had it in the mud. And then the problem is I get what they're saying, though, because those fibers hang around in the air for so long, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's now up in insulation and it's down in between walls, at what point do you just say, I, I can't get it out of here? Well, they probably... And, and we go through this with whether it's, you know, silica dust testing or mold testing or chemical testing, you know, you just keep coming back and testing and testing and they probably get all these, you know, repeat tests that keep saying it's still there and they're just completely frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Which, which tells me one thing though, they've already paid at least $700,000 the insurance company has. So my concern is, is for a contractor a lot of contractors are only supposed to carry a million dollars in insurance policy, right? That's right. That's right. And that, and, so, and that's why you kind of want to ask. I mean, I, you know, being in the mold remediation business, I carry double the amount of the insurance because, I mean, what if we make a mistake? What if the house is, you know, yeah. um, more on the expensive side and you've got other ramifications? But this is a perfect example why you have to be insured. You just so don't you think know. about it. And you, you call the insurance company, oh, got a million dollars. Great. These people here were just getting some updates sent around the house. They wouldn't have ever thought that there was going to be a million dollar claim on their house. Mm-mm. And it's beyond that because I'm sure they're paying for the oh, hotel, yeah. right? Oh so my God, exactly. 8,000 bucks a month for the hotel, probably. They've got a, I mean, they're, they're making their mortgage payment because if they're covering the hotel, they're making the mortgage payment. The homeowners are. But holy smokes. I mean, that is crazy. But where does that... So where does that kick in, right? So think about you've got the contractor that caused the leak. So they have to fix the area that was probably exposed to leak, but then they probably found out at the same point as they were testing the air that they had other asbestos issues, right? So it probably had to get divided somehow between a homeowner's policy and then the worker's policy. Well, it was, it says that the, that the contractor caused the leak. So if the contractor right. caused the leak, that is 100% on the business, not even right. on the homeowner. I'm saying that, but 
that leak only went through, let's just say it was in the basement and that affected yep. the basement portion, right? Yep. It sounds like they're saying the whole house is bad. So what I'm saying is it's got to, if the first floor and the second floor have something going on, they probably have asbestos going throughout the whole building. That isn't just the problem of the contractor. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that definitely no, seems I, like there I, would be I, more there. How I see this is, is they had a, they came in and took out, like, let's say it was on the set, the first floor and the basement was finished or they tore it out down there and you took out the ceiling down there. That asbestos within a matter of an hour is completely filled in the entire house. I get that. You know, it just, you know, just trying to explain to people that natural convection, even if they turn the furnace off, it's moving around the entire house. It's just naturally mm -hmm. going to do that. And so you've got it everywhere. Once you've done that, now that asbestos is just sticking to everything and it's floating around everywhere. So I think what it was is that you have the contractor that, that created the leak. They went back to fix it and it's the fixing that, that, that that's got them in this bind because they ended up getting that asbestos in the air and looks like they didn't test it. Of course, as an expert, as an expert witness, which I've been, I'm going to say, I'm, there's a lot of arguments that you could put up with this. And I, I would say that that house probably had an asbestos problem prior to they just, I mean, that would be my argument, right? If I was defending the contractor and I was called in to defend him, I would say that there was probably a, another type of problem there too. And they uncovered it simultaneously. So it'd be interesting to see. I think both insurance company, I think the insurance companies are going to ante up on inspect in on consultants and then they're going to go to go to legal. And then it's going to be, well, it sounds like the, the insurance company was, has already said that they were going to replace the house is what they kind of hint at. That's why they pulled the demolition permit because they want to make it right. So they're going to actually replace the house. Is it the contractor's insurance that's going to demo yep. it? This would be the contractor's insurance. It would have nothing to do with the homeowner since the hmm. contractor broke or created the water leak. And then that contractor came back and tried to fix it as well. It must've been a pretty substantial leak. Yeah. Well, that or they or they just dove in and, and removed a lot of asbestos containing materials. So yeah, even if they be, would have it have to be quite a big leak cuz think about it, like the way the pipes are, right? My building's like a really old house like that, right? 1800s. So a lot of those pipes are, you know, up on the ceiling. So imagine if that breaks. I mean, in order for it to be affected, it would have had to been in a pretty large area. Yeah, but even if you had a, some ceilings, great example, some ceilings up there, if you get a four-by-four four area and it was like lath and plaster and it was just a mismatch of whatever because, you know, it's an old house. There's a time that the contractor looks at it and goes, you know, the only way to do this right is to tear that ceiling down, new surface. It's going to be cheaper to go in, take all the lath and plaster down, put up some new drywall, finish it up, and now you've got that whole ceiling in that space going. That could have been a thousand square feet of space. We don't know, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been in remodeling where that happens, where even, you know, there's a, you know, we had one where they, people didn't want a skylight and we pulled the skylight out, patched the roof in. It was all good, but it was easier to tear down because of the popcorn ceiling they had in there that wasn't asbestos. It was easier for them to go Thank in God. and pull that ceiling down than it was to deal with that drywall because they were it was they were going to put more labor into dealing with the popcorn than they would have not just pulling the whole thing down. 
Yeah, they probably had a leak like somewhere on the first or second floor. Yeah. And then they decided to pull off. I bet they had some really weird wallboard in there, too. It probably wasn't all plaster, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say. Well, you mm. know, you think about it. Most of that asbestos was dove in about the time that drywall was coming out because drywall came out in the 30s and 40s is when you really started to see it kind of start to pop out into the marketplace. And um, I mean, Wasn't I had a 1940s called, house with drywall. Uh, it was called vermiculite. Does that sound familiar to you? Yeah, vermiculite is an insulation typically that you would see in old homes. And that vermiculite is also what you see in potting soil. If you go down and buy potting soil from the home improvement store, you'll see those little white pieces of chunks in it. That's vermiculite. Mm. And I think if I remember correctly, and this is obviously asbestos wasn't, I didn't do a lot of asbestos jobs, but I think that vermiculite was mixed with some kind of asbestos and the older homes had that in there, which could contribute to a problem. Like some old homes would just have your plaster, right? It wouldn't have any of it, but some of them can, and maybe it did. So I think it had so vermiculite something, is something extra. Vermiculite is mined at the same place that asbestos is. Mm, so it's kind of like where you would see talc come out of places. A lot of those things all came out of the same mine area. They'd go, oh, there's a whole run of vermiculite. There's a whole run in the ground of asbestos. And they'd pull these minerals out. But nothing's pure. There's always going to be some of that mixed in. And so, yes, they're pulling it out of the same part of the ground, but the but the dump truck just switched over and grabbed a whole thing of asbestos, grabbed a whole truck full of, on the next dump <laughs> run, of vermiculite, right? So it just kind of all got conglomerated together. And the password, together, is, and the you password know? is vermiculite. There we go. Remember password? Remember that game password? That's a great ah, word, vermiculate. A couple weeks ago, we had password was crack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eric said crack. In so, we said crack so many times in our basement episode. Well, it was a basement laughing. episode. I went back and I was listening and I'm like, Eric, do you realize we said crack like probably 10,000 times in that episode? Yep. So now it's vermiculite. It cracked you up. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say crack? <laughs> well coming up on saturday crack. we've got a we got a fun show ahead don't we we got oh, a good show coming up this is going to be awesome we've got uh our number one we're going to talk about dealing with neighbors and being a good neighbor <laughs> and how not to make your neighbors mad too there's ways to get around that depending we're on the neighbor. neighbors because people like us for our resources. Yeah, <laughs> they all got questions. They should make friends with us. Oh, yeah. I've got great neighbors. You have great neighbors. That's all good. But we're going to talk about that. And then our number two, we've got Nick Miles, our auto expert, coming on. We're going to talk about trucks. And if you're out looking at maybe a new pickup, doing some home improvement projects, you're a contractor, you know, what's the deal with all these new electric trucks coming out? We're going to take a deep dive into that as well as touch base on some of the details like chargers and how does that hook into your house? And we're just going to do a deep dive on pickup trucks, which would be kind of fun. because uh, so much in this episode. Like Eric and I are both car enthusiasts, so we both like cars tremendously. 
but I was able to really, he just, he really puts a, an amazing spin on it and he really knows his stuff. So if you're interested in vehicles in general, it's a win for this show. Yeah. Nick Miles is great. You probably watch him in the U S here on, on uh, Fox sports or any one of the different local TV channels. If this British guy comes on talking new cars, that's what we got on the show on Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what do you, what kind of projects are you working on? Are you working on that, uh, that door project yet? Or is that uh, hiding off until, uh, hiding off until uh, springtime? It's hiding off, but I, I just, it's more of a due diligence thing. I need to really just research. There's so many doors. It's overwhelming for front doors. And then you've got side lights yeah. and what kind of windows you want in the door. And, and I've realized I have to pull out the entire section. You know, I have side lights and a door. So it's become a whole thing. Yep. So it's more about decisions and, and deciding what I want there and what, what looks good. Like I have a 1962 house. So how do you modernize it without making it look like it doesn't fit at all? And you have a, it's not like a mid-century modern 60s house, right? It's not that classic rocket age looking house. It's more of a traditional 60s house. Yeah, it's like a bi-level walkout. And so what we're trying Mm -hmm. to do is modernize it to make it more modern because we want to keep it and definitely want to, but we want to use it as a rental too. So we kind of want to modernize it, make it look really clean um, and nice, but not too nice, right? Yeah, so absolutely. You know. But yeah, doors are, That's it's overwhelming awesome. the door, the amount of doors you can choose from and the style. And so it's more trying to match the style. And, um, but I like, I saw some things that from Anderson I liked. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it more as we progress on the project, I guess. You got it. All right, Caroline, looks like we're about out of time for our midweek special. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. You've been listening to. Around the house. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered, anywhere beyond the mean, life is a love song. Let's be lovers. Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, It realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.